0: What a joy, what a joy. Uh, I'm going to just speak to you tonight uh, on this subject, crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. And we're going to begin our lesson from the key scripture of Galatians chapter 2. And I want to read to you the 20th verse. This great verse of scripture that the Apostle Paul uh, puts into the canon of scripture uh, He says so many wonderful things here and I want to take time to just try to really uh, help us to understand it. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And it simply says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. This is a very profound verse of scripture. And we want to understand what it means. Of course this week is a a week where we want to take the opportunity to focus our attention upon that great day in which Jesus was in fact crucified. So much happened on that day. Now I say that great day. I'll say I'll go further. That glorious day. That wonderful day. That most magnificent day. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was the darkest, gloomiest, most depressing day anyone alive had ever observed. Isn't that that the way it works? That on what is the worst day can also be the most glorious day. The sun literally stopped shining in the middle of the day. The whole day went dark. And there was no light, and there was a great earthquake at the time that Jesus gave up the ghost. And all the disciples backslid except John and a few of the ladies who followed Jesus, including his mother. But there, there were it was it was a total scattering, if you please, a total scattering of the sheep. So how is this such a magnificent day? And and, and that often is the way it works with God that at our lowest point. At what seems like the worst possible scenario that has developed. God is up to something spectacular. How many have found that to be true in your own life? Hallelujah. Oh, I know you've got a testimony because you remember when you thought you could not make it one more day. And yet here you are. You remember when you cried yourself to sleep at night. You remember when the pain was so severe. You remember when the relationship became so distraught and you didn't believe you would ever see April of 2022. Yet here you are in the presence of God and God is good and life goes on. It's a win-win for the Christian believer. So we thank God for that. But this moment, this magnificent moment where Jesus Christ was crucified. Now, Before we understand why that day was so significant, we have to understand who he was. That's what made it so significant. This was not any ordinary person. This was not just one of the angels. The Bible distinguishes between him and the angels. To which of the angels said he at any time, sit thou at my right hand. The Bible distinguishes between him and the sons of David, all the other sons of David. He said, if... He is merely the son of David, and why does David call him Lord? He distinguishes between him and all of the priests of the Old Testament. He said the priests of the Old Testament, they would come once every year, and they would offer sacrifices that could not take away sin. But this man, hallelujah, entering into the holy place, hallelujah, once and for all, glory to God. Glory to God. This was not just any other teacher, any other great prophet. They said, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, thou, some say you are Jeremiah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. It could be any of them, Elijah maybe. One of the prophets, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, Micah, just any one of the prophets. And he said, Okay, I understand who men say that I am, but now let's narrow it down. Who do you say that I am? That's really what it comes down to, ladies and gentlemen, is who do you say that he is? It's not about who Time Magazine says he is. It's not about who who National Geographic says that he is. It's not about who the History Channel says he is. It's not about who your professor says he is. And even when the preacher says the truth of who he is. You you still have to believe it for yourself. It still comes down to who do you say I am? But Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so uh, this matter of Jesus on the cross, we have to understand who he was. He was God manifest in human flesh. And, and the reason that this has to happen is because this is, the, this is the culmination of the law that came into effect when Adam turned everything over to a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And this, this law of sin and death is in effect in the world. The Bible says that because of Adam's disobedience, sin came into the world and death by sin. You say, Where did death come from? Why is there death? It's everywhere. You look around you, it is everywhere. Right. Death is everywhere. You, it, you, you can drive up and down the, the uh, highway, and you'll pass by one clinic after another. That one of the most expansive industries in the world is the medical industry. And it's simply there to keep people from dying as best as possible. And the human body is in complete deterioration, constant decline. We're aging as we sit here. I don't mean to depress you more than you already are. But we're just time's just a tick, tick, ticking away. And and, and yet, and yet we thank God that in Jesus Christ we have a hope. Beyond this life. Hallelujah. That when we step out of this natural, mortal, corruptible body, we step into the glory of God. Hallelujah. Don't underestimate that. That's not what Pentecostal preachers say just to make you feel good. No, no. That's the truth of God's word. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Woo, hallelujah. I praise his holy name. But the law of sin and death was in effect. And the law of sin and death was absolute. People, people just were living and dying. And, and, and they wonder where the death came from. The death then and the death now comes from sin. That's where death comes from. It comes from sin. And if you want to kill something, anything, just start sinning. You got a good relationship going, and you want to kill it? Just start sinning. It'll be dead before you know it. You want want your marriage to die? Start sinning. Your marriage will die. You want your relationship with your kids to die? Start sinning. Your relationship with your kids will die. You want your relationship at, at work to die? Start sinning. Your relationship at work will die. Death comes by sin. And our world is in total and utter chaos and confusion because none of them believe that sin is as destructive as sin is. It is so destructive that the, the apostle warned us, abstain from all appearance of evil. It is so destructive that the apostle, that was the apostle Paul. The apostle Peter said, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Your fleshly lusts, think about how awful that is. Your fleshly lusts war against the soul. Your fleshly lusts, flesh is short lived, but the lusts of that flesh war against your soul, which lives forever. And it's so destructive. Sin is so destructive. My, my, my. This is why the world is in such uh, pain. This is why the world is in such hurt. This is why the world is in such bitterness, confusion, chaos. And, And it's so bad that you don't even know where to start. It's so bad that when you start trying to unravel something another problem emerges. It's so bad when you start talking to somebody who's got some unspeakable pain and you try to, you try to start helping them and you peel one layer and there's another layer and, another layer and another layer and another layer and another layer. You know what Paul finally said to the church of Corinth? He said, the layers, there's so many layers that I, I decided I was just going to stand in the middle of you and preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You've got, we've got to stand in the right smack dab in the big middle of everything and preach Jesus Christ his holiness, his love his purity, the purity of his motive, the purity of his plan, the purity of his purpose the agendaless nature of his life he didn't have a political agenda he came to seek and to save that which was lost, it was lost in the garden of Eden and he came to seek it and to save it. Now I'm just gonna throw this out there real quick because people say I don't know why didn't why didn't God just snap his fingers and reverse everything that Adam did? Because Adam legally, through the freedom of will, everybody say will, will. that's a legal term, ladies and gentlemen. Through the freedom of will, he gave his inheritance. Over to the devil. And the law of sin and death was instituted. For God then to come in and snap his fingers and reverse it. Would be to break the law. God is not criminal. God is not criminal. So God comes into the context of the law of sin and death. And abides by it and fulfills its demands so that he can set us free my goodness from the law of sin and death do you do you how many remember if you don't that's okay but how many remember when the when the devil tempted jesus and he asked him the question turn these stones into bread okay when he said that, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth that of the mouth of God. Well, that temptation was based on the fact that Jesus was probably hungry because he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he hadn't eaten in a while. And so we understand that there was a temptation to eat while he was in the process of, of not eating. And so we understand that, but there's something deeper there. You've got to understand Jesus was just baptized in the Jordan river. And he went from that baptism in the Jordan River and immediately he's met by the devil. The spirit led him into the wilderness. He's met by the devil and he's tempted to turn stones into bread. Okay, now in that Jordan River, if you'll recall in the book of Joshua, in the book of Joshua, there were stones taken out of that Jordan River and placed out in the wilderness where they would be lodging that night and those stones were set as a memorial concerning the parting of the jordan river and there were stones inside the jordan river that joshua built at the feet of the priest so there's 12 stones in the jordan and there's 12 stones outside of the jordan so so when jesus is baptized in the jordan river John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan River and he references the stones that are in the Jordan. He says that if you won't serve him, God is able to raise up children unto Abraham of these stones. He's standing in the middle of the Jordan River where there's 12 stones as a memorial unto the Lord and he references these stones. Jesus is baptized into the Jordan River, he walks out into the wilderness similarly to the way the tribes of Israel marched out of the Jordan River and built a memorial of 12 stones. And we know what those stones represent. Those stones represent what the Lord did for Israel in the parting of the Red Sea. In fact, the Bible specifically states when your children ask you what mean these stones, you tell them that it represents when the waters were parted. It represents Israel and what the Lord has done for Israel. So now Jesus is standing near a pile of stones in the same proximity where the children of Israel built a memorial of stones. And the devil says, turn these stones into bread. It was deeper than just, are you hungry? Here's a meal. He was telling him, I know why you're here. You're here. You're the unleavened bread. And you're here to make these people, Israel, like you. So do it. Do one of your little magic tricks. Make one of your miracles happen. And just snap your fingers, flip a switch, pull a lever, and just do it. And Jesus said, that's not how it works. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He's referring to the law. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, he is saying, I am going to fulfill the law. This is why the Bible says that the law was perfect and yet it was weak. How can something that is perfect be weak? It was perfect because it sets the absolute standard of perfection. Where it became weak was that it was fleshly fallen humanity trying to keep it. So fleshly fallen humanity cannot keep the law. And so the law becomes weak through the flesh. But by itself it's perfect. And you know that's true. When you tried to, when you tried to, not kill, maybe you managed not to, wring somebody's neck. But Jesus said, when you hated him, you broke the law. Or maybe you, maybe you didn't commit adultery, but Jesus said, when you looked and lusted, you broke the law. So there are ways that your spirit breaks the law when you, even when your flesh. Maybe, maybe you were able to prevent a behavior, and most of the time they weren't even able to prevent the behavior. And the law was just being broken left and right, and the law was weak as long as the flesh was trying to keep the commandments. Jesus Christ is God Almighty Jehovah Jireh, Ropha, Rohai, Shema, Shalom, Sitkadu, Mekadesh, El Yon, El Shaddai. He is God, the great I Am. He didn't send somebody else to do the dirty work. He himself. My God. Jesus said when you've seen the Father. When you've seen me you've seen the Father. That's what he said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He is God in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. So Jesus Christ is God manifest in human flesh. And He was obedient in all points. He was obedient. He was tempted in all points, but without sin. My goodness. He was tempted in all points. Do you know that you have not faced a temptation that Jesus did not face? I can say that in this, in this sanctuary. And I can say that to the whole world. That you have not faced the temptation that Jesus didn't face. And he was without sin. This qualified him to be crucified. Because it made him the spotless lamb. I want you to know that the reason he was tempted in all points. Is because he confronted and was confronted by every sin intentionally. Because he was going to overcome it on your behalf. Everything. Everything you've ever faced. Woo, hallelujah. He was going to face all of it. Hallelujah. And get the victory over it and then give you and I the victory. I'm telling you, he faced lying and he overcame it. He faced envy and he overcame it. He faced fornication and he overcame it. He faced adultery and he overcame it. He faced lust and he overcame it. He faced addictions and he overcame it. He faced recklessness and he overcame it. He faced reveling and he overcame it. He faced bitterness and he overcame it. Everything you and I are tempted by, He was tempted by it, but was without sin! The record of his life contains the fact and the act that he overcame all sin and never fell to it. So victory over lying. My God, have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost. My little brother Rubio, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can I, can I just take a moment here? Moses said, do not eat the blood of the animal. Now, I don't mean to mess with your medium rare steak. But just hear me out. He said, do not eat the blood of the animal. And the reason is because the life of the flesh is in the blood. In other words, the life of that animal is in the blood of that animal. And when you eat the blood of that animal, anything that animal did in its life... Is now admitted into your body. Because that blood contains the record of everything that animal did in its life. So if that animal ate some junk you'd never dream of eating. When you eat its blood you're eating the junk. Every time that animal was stressed out. That stressed out is in its blood. Every time that animal got afraid and, it's, and, 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 and hormones were released. It, it, it's in its blood. Everything that animal experienced in its life, it's in its blood. And so Moses said, don't eat the blood of the animal because the life of the flesh of that animal is in the blood. The life of Jesus Christ is in his blood. Every sin that he conquered, the conquering of that sin is in his blood. That's why he was tempted in all points as we are tempted. He purposely confronted every temptation of any and all sin and one at a time he gathered it into his blood. He put it in the record of his life. The record of a person's life is in their blood. This is why if you've got some symptoms and you don't know what they are, what they mean, you just know this is happening, this is inflamed, this is painful, this is going on, I'm dizzy, all of this is going on. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, let's check the blood. Because the blood is going to tell us where to look next. The blood is going to give us direction. The blood is the record of your life. And it is the record of Jesus' life. And not only did Jesus overcome all sin, but the Bible said he healed all manner of diseases. All manner. He overcame all temptation, and he healed
1: all manner of sickness.
0: I'm going to tell you what, he has the victory over every cancer. He has the victory over every diabetic condition. And I want you to know. He has the victory over every coronavirus. And every variant that could ever possibly mutate. He's already healed and he's already healed. of sickness, tempted in all points, yet without sin. He did it on purpose. He walked into those leper colonies. He walked into those autoimmune disorders. He walked in and among all of those viruses and sicknesses and he overcame all of them and gathered the record of that victory and lodged it safely in his blood he healed all manner of sickness and people were getting up off of beds and walking for the first time in their life and he was just logging victory after victory after victory after victory and the victory over every sickness is found in the blood and the victory over every sin is found in the blood oh yes my friend there is power in the blood Power in the blood, wonder working power in the blood. Woo!
1: Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah! Ha! So when He walked to that cross, He was spotless, He was blameless, He was innocent, guiltless, just, prepared, a perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. He was the perfect sacrifice. No blemish on Him. Not on his, not on his person, not on his character. There was no blemish on him. Even when he was at the most vulnerable point and, and might could have lashed out, he had already died to his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. And to Herod, he answered not a word. Because I'm prepared. I'm ready to be offered. It's time. You know why, hey, do you know why he was, he overcame all that temptation? It's not because he was, it's not because he was Superman. It's because he loved us. He was tempted. But he overcame it because he loved us. Not because it just magically had no appeal to it. No, no, no. No, he didn't do it because he loved us. The great love wherewith he loved us. And when he went to that cross... He went to that cross as something sin had never seen, something death had never known, something hell had never encountered, something the grave had never been confronted by. He went to that cross as a human being, a man. Hallelujah. God in human flesh. He went as a man who the Bible said condemned sin in the flesh. I said he condemned sin in the flesh. That means that inside the flesh of a human body, he had superiority over sin. It was the first time a human being had such superiority. Nobody else, nobody else had ever experienced that kind of superiority over sin. But he was able to put his foot, my God have mercy, on the head of the serpent. That had bruised the heel of man. Glory to God. But he was able to crush the head of the serpent. Because of his superiority over sin. The first man Adam. Gave in to sin. But this last Adam. Hallelujah. My God I feel the Holy Ghost. The last Adam. There doesn't have to be another Adam. Ah, the last Adam. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This, you can see the messianic prophecy in the book of 1 Samuel. When Samuel finds Saul, and Saul is offering sacrifices he was not authorized or permitted to offer. And Samuel walks up to him and says, what are you doing? And Saul said, well... He said, "I, uh, you know, I, you weren't here, and I figured it'd be all right." And and Samuel said, "You don't understand. I, I sacrifice is great, but to obey is better than sacrifice." It was a messianic prophecy because the sacrifice of Calvary was great, but what made it great was the obedience that led up to it. If Jesus was just another flawed man who had stumbled and bumbled over sin and had transgression and iniquity lodged in the record of his life, then that sacrifice would have meant nothing. It'd just be another martyr bleeding on a cross. But that's not who it was. No. This wasn't just any old blood. This blood was precious blood. Hallelujah. I said this blood was precious blood. This blood was the blood of Jesus Christ. God manifest in flesh, the almighty God, the creator of all things, hallelujah, as a man upon the cross. And we know that it was the father in flesh because when he died, the writer said the testator died. And when the testator dies, the testament goes into effect. Glory to God. That's why you, you got to step into this New Testament. It is for you. Hallelujah. Will. Will. You've got to surrender your will to his will. Not my will, but thy will be done. Will is a legal term. And it has to do with testament. And when you surrender your will to his will, you're stepping into the New Testament. This is, my God, this is why you've got to trust in the Lord. Trust, trust. It's a legal term, and it's connected to testament. And when you trust him, you're stepping into the new testament. My God. This is, listen, listen, when we think back this week on what he did, it's more than just one of the cool stories in the Bible. It's the story around which all other words of this holy book gather. It is, it is the story. I know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We stand in a world of sin and sinners and sinfulness. And it is a wretched world where we live. And there are demons on the loose Demons on the loose and they have possessed people in power and are influencing policy and are influencing an educational system and they're trying to it is it is it is the worst we've ever seen since the Garden of Eden it's the serpent teaching today. In so many cases, it's the serpent establishing policy for our world today. Confusion abounds. And you might and you might say, "Well, well, how do you know that's the devil? Well, I'll tell you who it's not. It's not God, because God is not the author of confusion. So I can tell you who it's not. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And sin brings death. And church, you better get ready. Because we've got a whole generation of people that are going to be messed up, tore up, broken down. In need of the Holy Ghost power. In need of the blood of Jesus. In need of revival. And in need of the church to be the church better be prayed up. We better be fasting. No more casual carnal Christianity. It's time to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's time to be holy. It's time to be separate. It's time to be
1: prayerful.
0: My God. My God. My God! My God! This false teaching that says that a male can choose to become a female or that a female can choose to become a male that is a doctrine of devils it is a doctrine of devils it is the definition of rebellion and it is the sin of witchcraft and this transitional medicine that tries to move it along is the absolute definition of witchcraft and we've got a whole generation that's being subjected to it and their mind is being corrupted and it's not, it's, listen, it's not going to be our job to throw stones and condemn everybody. You'll spend the rest of your life condemning everybody. You have to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They're condemned already. They're condemned already. Jesus Christ came not into the world to condemn the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. My God. And I know people are worried. I know people are worried. They say, what are we going to do? Our world, our world is just going down, down, down. I'm going to tell you something. You're about to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has the power to save to the uttermost. He's going to bring peace to the minds of the confused. He's going to wash away every sin stain. He's going to preach deliverance to the captive. Hallelujah. He's going to restore sight to the blind. And he's going to do it through us. I said he's going to do it through us. The apostle said... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I. Not I. But Christ liveth in me. Oh, hallelujah. Now let me explain something to you. That record of life. That record of life. All the stuff Joel did. It's all in. There's a book of my life. And it contains every decision I made. Every word I've spoken, listen, every idle word I've spoken. I hope nobody ever finds that book. I know the devil, the devil's got a big magnifying glass on it every day. He's got alphabetized, chronological, however which way you want to look at it. He's got it all figured out. Google search, take you to wherever you want to go, whatever date, whatever time. He's got a he he knows what the book of our life contains. But there's another book of life. And it's the Lamb's book of life. And in that book of life is victory over sin. In that book is victory over sickness. In that book is victory over death. In that book is victory over demonic possession. In that book, ah. Oh, Don't you know that? Don't you know that? How many times in his life and ministry on earth did he confront and be confronted by those who were possessed by an unclean spirit? He didn't run and hide. He spoke the word. He didn't get down in the dirt and fight with them. He didn't get on Facebook and sling mud at them. He didn't turn into a, 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 some kind of, a, of an individual that had an axe to grind. He spoke the word. Hold thy peace. And you got to understand, even as we take our strong position, our strong stand on what is true and what is righteous, we are wiser than serpents. I said we're wiser than serpents. The serpent thinks he's so smart but we're wiser and because we're wiser we're harmless as doves that serpent that's the, that's the serpent in the garden he can't outsmart the church we don't fall into his traps we're harmless like the Holy Ghost There's, My God, I feel the Holy Ghost The devil can't outsmart us because we are harmless like the Holy Ghost. We are peacemakers. We are meek. We are merciful. We love. We speak the truth in love. My God, we have the answer to what this world is seeking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so so the devil would love for you to be judged out of this book. And you can be. If that's the book you want to judge you, you can be. You're, You're more than welcome to be judged By the contents of this book of your life. But if you want to be held to the standard of the book of this life. And be judged as though you are innocent and blameless. You just need to make sure that your name is written down. In the Lamb's book of life. Crucified. With Christ. Nevertheless I live. Not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I live, brother Enos, by the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. 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 So, so you must repent of your sins. You, you must turn away from those sins. Don't let this world tell you. Don't let this world tell you that it doesn't matter. That everybody's doing it. That, that that's just an old way of thinking. They'll tell you that about every preacher that comes along. They always have. They've stoned the prophets. They've martyred the prophets. They've crucified Jesus. They'll tell you all day long. Don't listen to what the preacher's saying. Don't listen to what the Bible is saying it's outdated, it's old fashioned wrong, it's eternal and it's authored by the ancient of days repent of your sins, turn away from it, walk away from it, come out from among them be ye separate saith the Lord, walk away from wickedness and and be baptized my God, in the name of Jesus Christ When you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are letting that old man who was responsible for the record of this book, you're letting that old man die. And when you come up out of that water, there's a new name on you. You have a new identity, and that new identity is the identity of the man who lived the life of this book. God, don't you know that's why baptism in Jesus' name is so vital? So that when you stand before God in judgment, you don't even contain the identity of the guy described in this book. Instead, you contain the identity of the guy described in this book. So the devil is saying, yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they went there. Yeah, but they said this. Yeah, but they did that. Yeah, but they believed this. Okay, all right, but let's check something. Because if their name is written here, then it doesn't matter what they did over there. Let's see. Now, my name is Urshan. Brother Jordan, they got to go all the way to the U's. They got to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W. Oh, wait a minute. We just passed U. He's here. He's here. His name is written in the Lamb's book
1: of life. And
0: because his name is written here, it means he's innocent. He's pure. He's blameless. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Take on a new name. My God, I I, I don't even identify as that old man anymore. I'm a new man, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. That's why we don't go back to that stuff. It's like a dog returning to its vomit. God brought that stuff up out of you. Don't go back and lap it up. We don't go back to the old man. We're a new man. Hallelujah. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you repented of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name, here's the promise. You shall. Hallelujah. Receive the gift. I said the gift. The wages of sin is death. But you shall receive the gift. It's not a wage. It's a gift. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and if that spirit dwell in you that raised Christ from the dead he shall quicken your mortal body and this old Death body, this old wretched man that I am, this old corruptible mortal body, the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead when I'm crucified with Christ. I'm buried with him by baptism into his death and I rise to walk in newness of life. Glory, hallelujah. And I come up out of that grave. On that great getting up morning. I said, On that great getting up morning, I'm gonna tell you what, when those graves open up, that last trumpet sounds. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ returns. You hear what I'm saying? I've come to tell you, oh, what singing! oh what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise, hallelujah don't you weep for me when I'm gone hallelujah I won't be gone for long hallelujah, goodbye world goodbye, some glad morning when this life is o'er I am going to fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'm going to fly away just a few more weary days and then I'm going to fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'm going to fly away. Now, 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 some people have a hard time getting excited about heaven. Because they, they think of it as paradise. Now, you have to understand, paradise is where we go before we get to the new Jerusalem. Paradise is where we go while we're waiting. Okay? Paradise is a spiritual dwelling. And we we have a hard time getting excited about heaven because we think, oh, it's all just all going to be spiritual. And so it's kind of like, it's this elusiveness that we can't relate to. But but I've come to tell you that in the resurrection, we'll have new bodies. Incorruptible. Immortal, my God have mercy. I'm talking about a a real body, a tangible body, But no sickness, and no sorrow, and no sadness, and no violence, and no war, and no poverty, and no sin, and no perversion, and no corruption, hallelujah, no diabetes, no high blood pressure, no heart attack, no stroke, no hemorrhage. Hear what I'm telling you, an immortal body. A real, real, real body. We're not just going to be floating around invisible little beings with harps. No. No, a real body. But no sickness. And no death. And not just us. But all God's people. Listen, you, you don't have to be worried about somebody murdering you over there. You don't have to worry about running into a ravenous beast over there. There are no ravenous beasts over there. The wolf and the lamb lay down together. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day! What a glorious day that will be. That's why you and I cannot be discouraged living on this earth. We of
1: all people cannot
0: be discouraged. I reckon Paul said that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed afterward. It's just, you, you can't even compare it. We of all people, we must labor till the day is done. Amen. We of all people, we must occupy till he come. The news, the news and the headlines, all it should do is grieve us to a place of prayer and reaching for those that are lost and loving those who are in bondage. That's what it should do. It should not cause us to despair. It should not cause us to be cast down and destitute. Hallelujah. My God. Yeah. Yeah. We're crucified with Christ. I'm coming to a close. Our musicians can come. Thank you so much. But what did you think he meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me? That's not decoration. That's not your, that's not just something you just kind of tuck up under your arm. And walk around, yeah. I follow Christ. No, no, you better get rid of that. You're gonna use that thing. It's gonna be shoved down into a ground, you're gonna be nailed on it. There are gonna be people who nail you on it. You're gonna have to surrender your will just like Jesus did. You're gonna die to your flesh. You're gonna be buried with him. But oh, praise his name. You're gonna rise. You're going to rise. You're going to rise. Could you lift your hands and praise him with me right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let's stand together right now. God is so good to us. Oh, Lord, we worship you. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Oh, Lord, we magnify you. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory Hallelujah. Glory
1: Hallelujah. Oh glory. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
0: Hallelujah. Come on, uplifted hands all across this place. Uplifted hands all across this place. (laughs) Come on, somebody seek
1: the Lord while he may yet be found. Come on, somebody seek the Lord while he may yet be found. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. We worship you, O God. We worship you, O God. We worship you, O God. (laughs) Come on, I'm making
0: these altars open for somebody who wants to seek the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
1: Upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace when he takes leads me to